0: So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast. This is episode 371 for the fourth of Kislev in Alipir. So imagine you met a person who never... chocolate before in their lives and you love chocolate, let's say. (laughs) And so imagine that you told them about your love of chocolate and they said, wow, that's so interesting. I've never had chocolate. What does it taste like? What would you say? Would you be able to accurately describe the taste of chocolate to them? I mean, first of all, there are lots of different types of chocolate. Some are more bitter, some are more sweet, some are more uh, pungent some are like softer in texture some are uh, have a more like grainy kind of texture but regardless no matter how you describe this chocolate no matter how much this person read up on chocolate would they ever really be able to experience chocolate without actually tasting it no right we all know this Uh, so truthfully this is the same thing with anything in life and as we'll learn today this is true especially for god for godliness So, interestingly, just the other day, I got into a philosophical conversation with this guy who grew up religious and is no longer religious anymore. And he's, although he's no longer religious, he's still very much kind of troubled and seeking the truth. And he's one of these people who did not leave Judaism just because he, you know, wanted to go and party or whatever it is, or because, um, some rabbi was like really mean to him or something like that in fact he doesn't necessarily have like negative feelings towards judaism and things like that but it's more like it's coming from an intellectual place and it's coming from a place of frustration that there were certain questions that kind of he felt like never really he never really got satisfactory answers to on an intellectual level and he asked me at one point he said how do you know what's real how do you know what's true And I thought this was an interesting question and it led into a deeper conversation, which uh, I was going to get into in the podcast and then I was thinking, you know, I don't know how practical and how relevant it is to today's podcast. But I think what's more interesting about it and what does relate to what we're going to be uncovering today is the question and the fact that this guy who is such an intellectual person this is his modus operandi this is his his uh his home is his intellect this is where he feels comfortable and this is where he tends to gauge what is truth and what is not truth but as we'll learn today the intellect as great as it is and it really definitely does have a lot of advantages in terms of truth seeking over let's say you know the senses or the emotions or or things like that, it's still very much limited. And it can still only take us so far. And yes, if you want to, you know, find truth using your intellect alone, you're going to get stuck. Um, even in Hasidus, I, I get this experience sometimes. It's like you're learning Hasidus, you're learning all these deep ideas, but then there's always another question and another question and going deeper and deeper and deeper. And you never quite get to the, the end because you can't, because intellectually it's impossible, because truly God is beyond intellectual grasp. And all we could do in learning Hasidus is to talk about what God is not, to talk about, um, you know, in the, like the null hypothesis, like we were talking about yesterday, like God is, the this is kind of what we know the existence of God. Like we're talking about the chocolate, you know, when a person um, reads a book all about chocolate and they've never eaten chocolate before, they can get a sense of, okay, this is what chocolate looks like. This is like, I could kind of imagine in my mind what, The chocolate tastes like, but you're not. It's not really chocolate. It's not, and and there there has to be that awareness of that, and so that's what we're going to be learning about today. And the kind of remedy for this, the kind of um, solution to this quandary, is just like in the taste of chocolate, to actually go and eat the chocolate, to actually go and do the mitzvahs, to actually go and do God's will, which is very physical in nature. So. Interestingly, this might seem really strange, like how is it that the way that we connect to God in this lofty way is through physicality? But as we'll learn, there's something about physicality specifically in which, which due to its limited nature, due to the nature of what it is, that actually is where God invested his godliness, his essence in a certain sense, in a way that is undiluted, in a way that is not found in intellectual pursuits or even in emotional pursuits of God. So, as per the style, as of late in the Tanya, it's going to get quite Kabbalistic but I'll try to keep it as down to earth as possible. So just bear with that. And for context, we're still in the middle of Akhran, the fourth essay, which is this longer essay, um, you know, discussing the different ways that we connect to God, whether it's through prayer, whether it's through t- Torah study, and whether it's through mitzvahs and, and the advantage that each one has and what each one accomplishes and how how this happens on a Kabbalistic level. So yesterday we were discussing the idea of emulating God in a in, in a kind of like, in terms of God's attributes, being a nice person, being a kind person, being a, a person of compassion, Rahmanis, and all that kind of stuff. And we talked about how, while this is definitely something we should do, this is definitely something we should emulate, we also need to be aware of the limitations of this and how when we are emulating God in these ways, we shouldn't think get a God complex. We shouldn't think that we are God or that we're anywhere near to God, actually. And we should really think about it more in a humble way, like sort of like that we're getting like a semblance of God, sort of like a, a very small like uh, measure of, of God and, you know, likened to the way that Avraham Avinu likened himself to being like dusts and ashes. So just like the dust and ashes of a tree, which contain within them the essence of a tree in a certain sense. On the other hand, it's extremely diluted. It's an extremely diluted form of the tree. And so too, Avraham Avinu, who Avraham Avinu epitomized the trait of chassid within God, then um, nevertheless, his level of chassid was really just like the dust of the tree. Like it is a really very diluted form of the chassad of God. But so now today we're going to learn about the difference when it comes to mitzvahs and how mitzvahs are not this diluted form of godliness, but in fact they're called, they're called the works of God himself. And what we'll learn with this, we'll, we'll, as we'll learn, what this means is that there's something about mitzvahs that are much more essential and not just and, and undiluted in the way other things are. So, the way this works is that the source, the origin of the mitzvahs, is that they come from the vessels of Atsilas. And to be specific, they come from the outer vessels of Chasanah. So, just a little brief outline is that within um, each one of the worlds, there are vessels. And each and the vessels correspond to the lights. So, the vessels, the lights, these are the spherus. So we know that there are 10 spheros, so then there are 10 vessels. But the vessels also, if you think about a vessel, like think about a cup, for example, there's the outer part of the cup, there's the inner part of the cup, like you know where the water actually goes in, and then there's the middle layer of the cup, like the actual, the intermediary sp- space between the the outer and the inner parts of the cup. So, so too, when it comes to the vessels, to the kelim. All the 10 vessels in each of the four worlds has outer, there are outer vessels, there are inner vessels, and then there are middle vessels. So when it comes to the mitzvahs, again, getting kind of technical here, the source of the mitzvahs is from the outer layer of the the vessels of Atsilis, of the world of Atsilis. And that these external vessels fr- of Atsilis get drawn down through the lower worlds, through uh, Bria, Yitzchira, and Atsia. Um into the practical mitzvahs that we do. So for example, the al gives an example. For example, the mitzvah of esrog, right? So that, that we, on, on sukkahs, we, uh, we hold an esrog and a lulav. And so it's called the esrog and its minim, the four minim. So within that esrog, it looks like just like a little lemon, right? However, within that esrog is vested an aspect of the essence of the chesed, of zer anpin, meaning to say, the external aspect of this zer, this chasid of Zer Anpin. Okay, so just to understand that for a second, so we're saying again that all the mitzvahs come from the external vessels of atzilus, And so each one in its very particular way in terms of, each, you know, there's different vessels. There's the vessel of Chesed. There's the ves- vessel of gora Teferis, all that stuff. So, for example, when it comes to Lulav and esrog, the mitzvah of Lulav and esrog, this is stemming from the external vessel of Chesed of Atzillus. And so what's important to recognize about this basically and, and the ultra we'll get into this deeper is that the world of Atsilus as we've mentioned is very different than the other worlds the world of Atsilus is the world of emanation so it's unified with God which means that even the vessels even the external vessels that are found within the world of Atsilus are really unified and one with God and they don't there isn't this barrier that we find in the other worlds there isn't this dilution that we find in the other world so by contrast where do we find this more diluted form is when it comes to man when it comes to a person so even even a person who some people are very, very holy, and they have a soul that comes from a right? Nevertheless, since that so- that lofty soul becomes vested within a body, within a physical body, which is not a vessel of it's a it's a vessel of this world, it's, it's a physical body of this world, then a, this type of person will not ever be able to grasp the essence and the inner aspect of the chassadim of the Zeranpin of Atillas like meaning they'll never be able to grasp truly in a true way the the true inner level of this chasid in Atillas why not so this is because like if we think about the the four worlds each one of the four worlds correspond to actually different Levels of the soul. So we've mentioned this before, but for context, so we have the lowest of the four worlds, is the world of Asiya, and that corresponds to the level of nefesh. Nefesh is that animating force that vivifies our body. It's the very simple part of our body that you know allows us to move and walk. It's the experiential part. So then there is the level of Yetzira, the world of Yetzira, and that corresponds to the ruach level of our soul. That's the emotional component of our soul. Okay, then we have the world of Bria, which that corresponds to the neshama level of our soul. That's the intellectual component of our soul. Then what comes up above Bria? Above Bria is the world of Atsilus. So what does Atsilus correspond to? Atsilus corresponds to the level of the soul known as the Chaya. The Chaya is a level of a soul which is not found within the body. It's above the intellect. It's the supra consciousness, uh, which is above the intellect and it hovers. It In, in fact, it, it hovers above a person. So it's not something that we can really see or that we're even of of necessarily um, but that's so that corresponds to the level of at which is why it, it, we can't grasp it with our intellects because our intellects can only take us can only um, connect us with our nashama level but the level of Haya is it is related to atsilus, so we cannot use so this brings us back to even a person whose soul comes from at because they're that soul is found within a physical body with a physical mind that type of person, no matter how much they learn or study or meditate, can never grasp the level of atzilus. They can never grasp chassid of atzilus in a way that that um, that can be grasped when holding a lulav and and performing the mitzvah of lulav and while holding it. What a person could grasp with their intellect is the existence of these attributes. So they, so just like you know, the person who studies about chocolate, they can learn a lot about chocolate. They can probably even teach a course about chocolate without ever having tasted a piece of chocolate in their lives right so they know about the existence of chocolate but to actually know about the essence of chocolate they're they can't comprehend this with their minds so similarly here too um a a person even a very very lofty person cannot with their minds grasp Atzillus grasp the the attributes of Atzillus, but so now the altar brings up a uh, Supposed challenge to this a seeming challenge to this idea that we see as he's mentioned before this idea that we when we spoke about uh, Moshe Rabbeinu then we see that that God said to Moshe Rabbeinu You saw my hinder part which seems to be referencing the fact that in even though yes Only the external part of God that Moshe saw nevertheless it was the external part of God himself which really is an allusion to this level of Atsilis, where there wasn't this barrier. It was the external level, but it was the external level of Atsilis. So how could this be if we're saying that nobody, no matter how great they, they are, can ever comprehend even that level within Atzilus, even if it's the outer levels, the outer calum of Atzilus. So the ultra says this is this is because he he uh, witnessed this through prophecy. So it wasn't an intellectual thing. Moshe well, Rabbeinu didn't experience God on it due, it due to his intellect, but he experienced God um, through prophecy. And so and why? Because prophecies actually were you uh, divest of the physical, as is written about in ram Nahemna and Parashat Mishpatim. So. So through prophecy, Moshe Rabbeinu was actually able to uh, to transcend his mind and tap into that level of the Chaya, which corresponds to Atzilus. And so, yeah. So just to reiterate, the Alter reiterates that this is now we can understand why it is that no person can grasp God, because without understanding, you can't really grasp. It's not true grasping. We can't. We can get a sense of of God's existence, but we can't actually gra- actually grasp Him which is not the case when it comes, for example, to the example of Esrog, as we said. That in that, that Esrog, we act, the, the vitality of that Esrog actually comes from God's essence himself. How so? Because the vitality of the Esrog comes from the essence of the outer Kalim of nukva of Zer-Anpin in Etzellus. So that's a mouthful. So just to break that down there. So basically, we know that Within all worlds, so we're focusing on the world of Atsilus now. We have the ten spheros, and within the ten spheros, we have something called the zer-anpin, which the Zeranpin are the midos, the the attributes of the spheros. And that's sort of like, as we've mentioned in a previous episode, the the attributes are kind of like that's where like that's how we relate to God is like is with the attributes, just like you relate to a person in terms of their attributes. So now another thing to remember is that each one of the spheros has within it all the other Spherus as well, so there's la- layers and layers within each of the spherus So now within the level of Zera there's Malchus. That's one of the layers within it. Malchus is also is the lowest of all the levels, and it's also called Nukva, right? And so now we're, we're found basically in Nukva or Malchus of zeraanpin of Atzilis. Okay, now we're in that sub <laughs> sub category there within that world of Attilus. And another thing that we need to remember is that each each um, Each level has a light and it has a vessel. And not only does it have one vessel, but it actually has three vessels. It has the inner vessel, the outer vessel, and the intermediate vessel. So here we're talking about the outer vessel of the Nukva of Zer'anpin of Atzillus. So the outer vessel of Malchus of Zer'anpin of Atzillus. If you don't remember all those technical details, that's okay. But the main thing to take away from this is even though these are layers upon layers and all that stuff, because we're talking about the world of Atzillus, within Atzillus, Everything is just an emanation. So everything really truly is God and it's not diluted. There's no dilution that happens. So there's, so yes, there's vessels and there's lights and there's levels and all that stuff, but it's, it's not separation the way that there's separation in other kinds of worlds. So even though the, so even though the, the S is coming from this level of the outer Kalim of the nukfa of Anpin of atzillus even though it's this outer level it's still it's it's still godliness it's still eloquence and the ultra brings proof for this from the itzchaim where it's where it's taught there that all the fruits are rooted in the world of atzillus so how so so the ultra says this is because uh the the 30 Kalim of atzillus the 30 vessels of atzillus because again remember there's 10 uh energies within that silis, and each one has an inner uh middle and an outer Layer for the vessels, so the thirty, which makes thirty in total. Ten times three is thirty. So the thirty vessels of of Atsilis descended down into the lower worlds of Briatsira, Yatsira, and Assia which are, what is this vestment? This, these are the 10 sayings through which the world was created. Through them being vested, and how did these, how did these 10 sayings create the worlds? They, they vested these energies, um, these kalim, these, these, out, these 30 kalim within the nukva of Asiya, the malchus of Asiya, which is the essence within the essence. Meaning to say, so how does this work? Is that the vessels of Atsilas became the neshama of Asiya. And which means that our, the soul of our world, the soul of Asiya, is actual divinity. Is actually a Lucus. Because when we talk about the world of Atzillus, as I mentioned, him and his vessels are one. The emanator and the emanated are one and the same. So thus, if we say that the vessels of Atzillus came down and became the the soul of our world, this is, is it's you know, it's, it's, it's one and the same with God. And then next in that flow, so we have the, the vessel of Atzillus coming down, becoming the soul, the neshama of our world. And from that neshama of our world, then this became vested within the kelim, the vessels of this world, of the malchus of this world, of the nukva of this world. And this is how the etrog came about. This is how the physical etrog es- came into being. So we see that there's this chain reaction going all the way back to Atzillus and so thus we find that when a person actually takes the lid of an and shakes it according to uh, w- the way that we have to on, on Sukkot, we're actually touching the vitality that, uh, that is coming from this Malchus Vatzilis itself, that is, that is unified with the or ain't self, with God, with God himself. So that basically is giving us like kind of like the map, the breakdown as to why it is that when we actually do these physical mitzvahs, we are touching God's essence, which is not the case when we just are in the world of intention. So a person can have like great intention while they're doing the mitzvah, but that intention is not getting them to touch that essence, even if he knows all the mystical ideas. All those mystical ideas and all those teachings about why we shake lulav and esrog and what it's all about and all that um, stuff—a person is grasping the the existence of the mezhdach, like they're just like they're learning about the chocolate. They're learning, like you know, what the chocolate is made up of and that kind of thing. But they're not grasping the mehus, the the essence of the of, of of God. So. There's this, these terms that come up in Chassidus a lot, metzios and Mahus. the existence and the essence. So our brains, our intentions, our feelings can get us to uh, to touch the existence of God. It can get us closer to understanding that God exists, but to actually got, touch God himself, that can only be done through the performance of a mitzvah, like shaking lulav and an However, here's an exception to where our brains actually can get us to a place of, of touching God. This is through learning the halachas of esrog, learning the laws of esrog. So through learning the laws of esrog, a person is actually able to touch the mitzvah itself because we're learning the halachas of the mitzvahs in a way of, and so thus we're, we're attaching ourselves to the mitzvah itself through our speech and through our our thought. And especially if a person learns like the the esoteric dimension, the sod level, like all those deeper aspects of the mitzvah, this is another way that a person can attach to godliness itself. So we mentioned before when a person's actually performing the mitzvah, if while they're performing the mitzvah, they're thinking about all these great intentions that they learned. Yes, it's a great thing. But in that moment that they're performing the mitzvah, then it... Um, then, it, then it, it's not attaching them to the essence of God. It's only attaching them to the existence of God. But at the moment that they're actually learning these things, if they're speaking the words out loud and using their mind to try to understand these deeper ideas, they are connecting with the essence of God. So that's it for today. So once again, the takeaway from all of this is just the idea that, that nothing really can, uh, can substitute actual practice, practical action, actual doing mitzvahs when it comes to really grasping truth, not our, emotions, not our intellects, but really we actually have to go out and do the mitzvah. Our minds and our hearts can only take us so far. So that's it for today. We still have a bit more of this uh, essay to go a few more days. So stick with it and uh, we'll continue along these lines tomorrow and I'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzchak Ben Benyaminah Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana.